This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Now, my hearty my, you are listening to MPR, recording Calling All Workers, Manawatu People's Radio. I am Diane Martin, your host. I'm a Unite, I am a First Union organiser. Oh, I got that wrong, Jared. Welcome, Diane. <laughs> I am a First Union organiser and I'm also co-convener of Unions of Manawatu. So what we're going to do is... Um, I'm going to interview uh, Jared here from United Union, uh, Assistant Secretary, but he's also the Manawatu Wanganui representative on the RSLG, that's the Regional Skills Leadership Group, along with also the rep is Martin Bazoon from TaxPro. So they're two, they're two reps, but um, Martin, Martin is um, doing negotiations down in the South Island, Christchurch, uh, right now. So Jared's here, here in front of us. And Jared, I'm going to ask you right away, what way. What is the purpose of RSLG? What's what, what's it all about? What's the basis of it all? Well, the base of it is the um, reforms of the vocational training. Right, um, most people will be aware that there's uh, you know a major restructure in place. Uh, involves all the polytechnics, and and the truth is most of them were actually going broke. You know, that's the reality of it. Something had to be done. There was a gross duplication. And on top of that, um, uh, there was also a need to consolidate and and overview the whole the whole vocational training because we haven't been doing that well in New Zealand. That's the, that's the truth of it. Um, you know, apprenticeships had been falling by the wayside. Um, there were bits and pieces I was part of. I was also on, a, on a, an industry training group. Um, there are a number of them, which oversaw um, sort of non-polytech-based training, but um, that was very piecemeal, and um, and there were a lot of gaps, um, and a lot of money was going into just keeping, particularly polytechs, but also private training establishments, um, just keeping them running as institutions, and uh, we weren't doing that well. So the the government, but but. The uh, um, down hard and said, right, we're going to have to review this, and so there's it's called the Rove reforms, R O V E, reform of vocational education, and part of that was regional skills group, and the aim there was um, uh, because there was some a lot of uh, like regional polytechs and regional groups were being put it together into one large. Um, organisation, that there need to be some regional input still, and that's what our job is, as a regional skills leadership group, uh, to inform, to look at, research and inform um, both the industry and the government on, on what are the regional skills um, and training vocational 
needs in this region. And 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 also, what are the barriers to employment? A- absolutely. Mm. Um, uh, and one of the things you know, Martin and I are, are union reps on on this, and so we sit alongside. And there's a lot of um, other reps from various uh, um, a, few, a few CEOs. Uh, a few. Um, uh, there's good Māori representation, which is crucial because a lot of the people who are, have the barriers in this region in particular, it's quite, particularly in the central region, you head up north a bit from here, uh, but across the region, um, you know, that is a major, that's one of the major groups uh, targeting disadvantaged groups who are, have access problems to getting skills and training and jobs is, is a big part of it. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of dedicated people uh, who um, – uh, and it's you know I've uh, it's been very very interesting because I think most people come into it um, have come into it on the basis not just looking after their looking after their own interests yeah, yeah. but actually here's the problem there's actually a lot of agreement on what the issues are so I've been pleasantly surprised with that so it's quite valuable that it allows the the, the ministers the relevant ministers in the government to um, know the true situation and the different skills what what skills are available in areas and what are not yeah. Um, and and what yeah what the needs are what the gaps are and but the gaps are two point you know what my concern was going into it and and it's still it's still something I'm you know that Martin and I I think particularly see as our our role but but there's others who do a good job too is it's not just about what skills do employers need you know I was very clear from the start and I think there's there's you know quite a bit of buying from particularly from the community leaders you know uh, about it's not just a matter of getting people jobs, right? Mm. It's actually a matter of what we want is people to get jobs which have skills, right? Ah, which right. have a, particularly are fulfilling, can get them, you know, good employment and have prospects for, mm. for improving their skills and improving their paying conditions. Um, so it's not just about we need, you know, someone who can make coffee. Well, that's not our job. You know, that's not that's not our job. The role is, yeah. With skills. How can yeah. we get this training? How can yeah. that person, yeah, yeah. if they're going to make yeah. coffee, but how can they develop? How can they get jobs which, you know, they can live on, not just yeah. casual labour? Yeah. So it's about having um, – it, it, it's about um, yeah, going to the stakeholders in that area. Yeah. and Yeah. Um, and it's been uh, interesting. We've been focusing on um, transitions from schools, uh, health, particularly, because uh, what we looked at is what what are the areas in the region that are growing. One of the problems I got to say is um, is that while we have a regional focus, the reality is many of the issues are the same across the country, right? So, on the one hand, yes, you want to be able to focus on what the uh, specifics here are in Manawatu, Wanganui, but. On the other hand, a lot of the issues in Manawatu, Wanganui are the same issues in Waikato. They're the same issues in Tamaki Makara. They're the same issues all around the country. So we can't ignore those either. Um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's, there's a bit of a balance there because there's no good just saying, well, this is what's different. Some things are different. There is different emphasis. But a lot of problems are basically, you know, the same. Well, what if you find that the, the, the skills on the area um, – are lacking, and it, but a lot of people got more skills in another different area. What about things like relocation and stuff? Um, that is a big issue, um, particularly in the in the region like Central Plateau, right? That mm. that is a big problem. Uh, Wanganui to a, to, a, to a lesser extent, Hotafanua. Uh 
Uh, around the Manawatu and Palmas North, it, not such a big issue because you've got a university and there's more population, there's more opportunities. But that is something that absolutely um, people leaving, because what happens is if you do have skills, if you do have an ambition and the ability to go and get trained and skilled, and you live in, say, Ratahi, right, there are not many of that opportunities, you know. So it's a, it's a problem all around the world where small towns and communities sometimes lose their best and brightest because mm-hmm. they need to fulfil those opportunities. And that, in some ways that's inevitable because if you want to go to university, you're going to, you know, unless you do it by correspondence, you're actually going to have, have to leave a place like Ratahi. But what's good is they're thinking about, I can see communities and they've got schemes, and particularly a lot of iwi. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been really impressed with some of the... Um, Iwi schemes using some of the treaty settlements and so on because their focus is always on the whole community, right? And 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 uh, and some of the things I've been quite impressed with some of their responses in terms of particularly, for instance, saying to people, "Yeah, you might have you might have shifted to um, Wellington or you know wherever, but you can still help your community." And that's mm. there are processes to ha- to help that. I think the real shortages. Uh, there are shortages everywhere now. That's the thing. Um, I think, in terms of employers, there the, the, there are some obvious ones. The ones we hear, I look, everyone's sh- short. The skills. There's a lot around transport and logistics and um, uh, uh, warehousing. That's one of our focus areas at the moment. Um, just getting licences and and we're not talking about drivers' licence, but for instance, getting a truck licence. Now, it's not just uh, the time it takes. There's a cost. I mean, it's it's thousands and thousands of dollars to get and maintain, you know, a, tr- a truck so, driver license. Jerry, why have we got to the situation where the skills are shortage? I mean, I deal in retail and distribution, and uh, there's big shortages there, and buses as well. So, bus drivers. But so, what? Why? How have we got to the situation that there are shortages? What's the background to this? Uh, it really, it's the, it's the background to a lot of other problems we've got actually, and it comes from basically free market economics. Is that we we effectively, uh, and this is why the politics, so many of them got into so much tr- trouble, because what we said basically is, we are going to uh, just students can go out and roll whatever they want, and. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a polytech or a private training establishment. If a student enrolls for this, is the most at the most extreme end, right? In the in the 90s and early part of this century, um, it doesn't matter what happens, uh, what they choose, they can choose to do that. They'll borrow lots of money on the student loan, and then we'll pay the, the. And even though those students will pay a lot, the government will also pay a lot. There was no planning. There was no planning whatsoever, and. The quid pro quo on that was that I think a lot of industry and employers said, "Oh yeah, okay, this is great. The students, you know, go get it, and we'll we, and we don't have to pay, we don't have to do it." And they abandon. That's the truth of it. Huge industry, uh, which previously had apprenticeship and training programs, some of the big employers maintain them, but I think a lot of small to medium employers just completely abandon. Uh, and the idea was, oh, well, rather than training someone, picking someone up, we'll wait for someone to pay for their own training at the Polytech or whatever, and then we'll, we'll come and get them. And, and crucially, um, what they also did was board in overseas migrant workers. If they couldn't find the skills locally, um, or even if they could, actually, that's the truth of it. We, New Zealand actually is the Qatar of the south, Southern Hemisphere. We're, our levels of temporary and migrant workers per head of population 
uh, amongst the were, were amongst the greatest in the world. We had a massive, you know, hundreds of thousands of temporary workers here working in jobs that theoretically, the theory was that um, that they were all here because their employers couldn't find people with those skills in in, in the country to do it. The reality was um, two things. Yes, some of those skills weren't here because no one was training them. No one was training them and no one was interested in training them. Um, uh, and because some of the skills we need were hard and took were expensive and took a long time, and when you've got seventeen and eighteen year old kids choosing what they're going to train, they're not they're not necessarily going to train, you know, uh, choose to do the things that are hard that are needed. Um, they're going to be choosing things. Um, you know, I I worked in t- film and television production. I vividly remember when we were working, uh, we had in, we had kids turning up, literally kids turning up who'd done a six-month course in television and video production. Because, of course, you're a kid. You know, it sounds great, doesn't it? They paid thousands, borrowed thousands to do it. That The same year, TVNZ had laid off something like 1,200 staff. So there were people out in the market. These kids were competing with people on the market who had 20 or 30 years in broadcast television experience. So you know planning. So anyone, any rational system would have said, hell, we've got all these surplus TV and we don't need these. But that wasn't, that's not how it worked. So no one was doing that. Instead, we brought in migrant workers. And the truth be told, and I think we've seen with the, uh, the horticulture and the RSC, actually they prefer them because they get them in here uh, Sometimes they're not as skilled. I think the RSC workers, most of them are actually very, very impressive workers and, and skilled and, you know, uh, on that level, physically in particular, you know. Uh, but, for instance, uh, what we've seen with a lot of the other workers who come in, sometimes they don't have the skills that they're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. You know, they're brought in as cheap labour, quite frankly. So basically we're sort of here um, because the chickens have come home to roost and that's why RSLG is so important. Yeah, uh, that that is the vocational training. Um, it had to be reformed because it was a mess. And um, and one of the really interesting things we've come up with now is is looking at it. And so what what we've got now is the shortages of labour. We've got employers, particularly small to medium sized employers, um, who previously would have imported migrant workers or you know with high unemployment didn't have a problem uh, finding people. Um, and now they're going, oh, right, I need workers. Oh, I'll have to, I can't find anyone. I'll have to take a school leaver or someone who's without experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay. That, that's fine. The problem is the, it's, not the, it's not the worker who's not ready, right? The worker's ready to go, but they need to be trained. The employers do not have the skills and this infrastructure, and the infrastructure. to train ah, someone. Yes. You can't put a school leaver in a truck and say, oh, away you go, yeah. you know. That's, that's how I learnt a lot of things on the farm, but that was many, many years ago and wasn't yep. ideal. And you just can't do it these days, and you shouldn't. And, and I think that's what we're finding. So a lot of what we're looking at now is, is how do we actually not train the workers but train the employers on how to train workers? Because that's actually where it's and, – and, and there's something for our industry too where we've got – a lot of workers work in hospitality. They can't afford to take a year off or even six months or even a month off work to do training. They need to do their training and work at the same time. That means a lot of that training is going to be on the workplace. So that's a good thing, we see. But it needs to be structured. And what we see in our workplaces is training has been reduced to watching videos and online clicking 
clicking boxes. Exactly, you know? exactly, all you the know. time. And retail, that's yeah. what people, that's what and, people do. And, and, and we, we work with a lot of large companies, franchises, national franchises, and they want the same training. I get that, but it's all done by click the box and talk to the experienced workers and it drives them nuts. They go, yeah, you can click as many boxes as you like, but until you've actually done the work, you know, uh, that's, it doesn't by the way, mean anything. By the way, where are we up to with um, the government's meant to be reuniting the politics and stuff? Uh, that, well, it's, um, it's, 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 it's effectively almost complete. By the end of this year, I think it will be pretty much complete. Um, it's had its problems. They've got budget blowouts and stuff, mm. but and and you can say it's pretty predictable. They've lost a chief executive for, um, uh, uh, and yeah, so it's it's been bumpy. But I would, you know, the problem is it was always going to be. As I said, they were literally going broke. If if they had been private companies, a lot of these politics would have would have actually gone out of business. Oh. Yeah, certainly the government. The fact they were government institutions, so they it's something had to be done. Uh, it was ridiculous. I remember, I vividly remember, um, you know, as, when I was National Secretary of United States to go to Auckland a lot. And one day I was, I think I was caught the bus from the airport and I was going in and driving down Simon Street, which is, you know, next to Queen Street. And I remember looking up and seeing signs for buildings and there was Otago Polytechnic and West Coast Polytechnic and, and I was, what the hell are they doing in Simon Street? And so I looked into it, but of course what was happening is they were trying to survive. And, of course, a lot of politics and universities and schools uh, actually made up for funding shortfalls by international students. So that to survive, you had the West Coast Polytech or an Otago Polytech setting up schools, not in Otago or the West Coast, but in Auckland to try and get money for international students because that's where all the international students were. Well, they're copying like, like Massey University here yeah, yeah. all well, over that's the country. What, I worked at Massey. That's exactly why Massey went to Albany. You know, that's exactly the, 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 the thing, the population growth. They just – and they were doing what they needed to survive, but it was, it's not the right thing for them. You know, what Otago and West Coast need – Training focused on the needs of those people in those areas. So that's you know that's a classic where the, you know that was thrown to the free market. Um, so it had to change. It is changing. It, there'll be some pains along the way, no doubt. Um, and um, uh, uh, and we need to up the quality uh, uh, in terms of not just the politics but also private. There's a lot of money goes to private training, right. and and some of it meets a need, but a lot of it. Needs to be directed. You know, yep, yep. it's not it's not it's not good enough for us to allow a seventeen or eighteen year old uh, to decide that looks nice. I think I'll do that. Like, how many scuba diver instructors do we need in this country? Right. Because as far as I can figure out, we've probably got about you know we've trained ten times as much as we'll ever right, need. Right. Right. You know. So you know, and when you're a seventeen, eighteen year old kid, yeah, it sounds good and it's good. Great, have a scuba, but will you get a career out of it? Well, you know, you're up, there's a lot of people now with that sort of skills, and you've also borrowed thousands and thousands of dollars, which you will have to repay with interest. Over okay, your we've got about ten minutes left. Yep. Um, and maybe just sort of wrap up um, RSLG uh, well, to a couple of minutes, and then go. We'll move on to uh, Unite. Sure. Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, as I said, it's moving on. We're, we're looking at. Um, logistics and transport at the moment and the other one is seasonal work um, but that's hard you know the reality is with seasonal work uh, you know it's a big issue at the moment with the RSE workers that you know trying to figure out because on the one hand you've got these shortages but on the other hand what I said before about we want people to have good jobs with 
you know, not just a few jobs, a few a few weeks' work, camping in a caravan or a tent or some house, and then moving on. And that's that work is going to be difficult to figure out. How do we actually, in in Europe and overseas, for example, technology is they have moved, they are moving really quickly to more technology, which is inevitable across a lot of industries. But what's interesting is that um, that it will also create jobs which aren't seasonal, you know, um, jobs which are more uh, uh, require more skills, maybe fewer jobs, but there's an opportunity there. So that's where we've got to make sure that uh, what what is likely to happen anyway happens in such a way that people are, you know, that jobs are created. We don't just go back. And that's my personally my biggest fear is that I think uh, there's a lot of particularly employers out there who just want to go back to bring, allow, allow me to bring in the cheap labour, you know. Well, thank you for um, discussing RSLG with us. That's the regional uh, regional um, skills leadership group. Thank you, thank yep. you, thank you, and yourself and Martin, um, the perfect person to be on because you've, you've got a huge interest in this area. So you also assistant secretary of the Unite Union. Yeah. What's 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 happening with the Unite Union? Uh, the main thing that's happening with us is our uh, well, for me in particular, uh, is a fair pay the hospitality fair pay agreements, and I know your own unions. Got a couple of, involved in a couple, the supermarkets and yep. buses. Buses, yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're, um, you know, trying to get that uh, moving. We're moving as fast as we can. What areas are you in? It's massive. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's accommodation and food, and that includes um, bars, caverns, mm. pubs and clubs, uh, and cinemas and casinos. Are you about getting? Are you out and about getting those thousand signatures? We've done that, and um, we've submitted them, and they've been checked, and uh, that seems to be okay as far as we're aware. Uh, we're refining the coverage because it has to be very clear, so we're working on that at the moment, and working with MB on that. And that's been a good process. We're, we're they're just asking questions like, well, "Oh, well, does it cover this?" Because in the end, it has to be clear who is covered and who's not. But it's so massive. We think it's about 120, 130,000 workers, 20 to 25,000 employers. So it's a big, big, big task. Yes. Just just you think about sending out, oh, we'll contact the employers. Well, you know, yeah. How do you find them? Where are they all? So will know. it cover all fast foods? Yeah, it'll cover all fast foods, all accommodation. Anywhere where their main business is hospitality, which is basically the idea of anywhere where they serve food or drink or provide, um, you know, um, entertainment for people um, it's part of that uh, or, you know like casino or a cinema um, uh, you could easily blow it out like you know uh, we don't want to get into performers there's other unions you know we don't want to cross over with other unions that already have good coverage equity and stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and so working through that there's there's plenty of work to do there's no problem with with uh, with us uh, you know it's a big area already so we're, we're quite happy to say yep We'll start with this, and uh, other workers aren't covered. We can look at it in the future. So, fair pay is quite a big focus for you at the moment. Absolutely, uh, for me particularly, uh, uh, trying to do, trying to get ready because once we get it approved, you know, it's just the scale of it is massive. Um, and we're also coming up with at the same time all of our fast food. So that's McDonald's, uh, KFC, Carl's Jr., Pizza Hut, um, Taco Bell. Burger King and Wendy's are all coming up for renewal in the next uh, month. Mm. Uh, are you? Um, there's talk. There's talk of uh, you know that uh, out there that that uh, employers are going to try and delay, 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 uh, and hoping that the election comes and uh, 
and then uh, the well, National I, Accident and, 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 and it's all gone before lunchtime. I think there's, uh, there's truth to that. I think uh, they probably might be rethinking that as a yes. strategy at the moment, quite rightly. Yeah. I think that's true, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to move fast. However, having said that, the, this, the, this, the crisis in terms of employment uh, and, and uh, labour shortages uh, is so bad in hospitality in particular, and other areas it is too, I'm sure you find the same in retail, uh, is that we are finding that some employers are actually quietly, they might not say it out loud, are recognising, yeah, we've got a problem, whether or not there's a fair pay agreement, no matter which government's in, this is a real problem. Um, because it's, when there is a when there is a labour shortage, which I think they expected to sort of be short term, but actually it's going to be long term. We can see that. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. It would come back a bit, but the signs are that it's not, they're not going back to high levels of unemployment anytime soon. And when there are shortages like that, people get mobile and they change jobs, and we're seeing that. I'm sure you're seeing that too. Um, and what happens is, of course, there's two things, problems with the hospitality industry in particular. One is that where you've got the lowest wages, the worst conditions, you know, the most unsociable working hours, well then it's your workers who are going to jump ship first and your, and your jobs which are going to go unfilled when younger people are looking to see which jobs they go because they've got plenty of choice. So it's a double whammy. Secondly, with hospitality, traditionally high turnover already, 70, we, we, our union membership is 60 to 70%. Not including non-union members, it's we, we've seen at times we get a glimpse of this, and it's eighty to one hundred percent turnover per year, right? So that means that if there is, um, if there's a problem with recruitment and getting people in because of the turnover, you're going to feel that a lot faster, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you're having to replace, you're constantly having to do it, and so it's a bit really hard. Uh, our national secretary John Crock has been on industry, a tourism industry, which of course has been hit very hard with the pandemic and with the closure of the borders and so on. And you know, there's a lot of them that he's working on an accord. You know, which actually uh, the outcomes will 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 have a lot of the same uh, outcomes we're looking for for the peer pay agreement, and that's with the cooperation of the industry and, and the employers because they recognise that they can't go on the way they are. I think there's actually a lot, particularly those who have a higher level views, the, the, the industry organisations. Um, I think it's going to take a while for a lot of the employers to catch up. I think they think it's just going to go back, but in the end, reality is starting to bite. And I think, so even if even if the government does change, you know, we will, I think we'll, made, we'll have made a lot of progress. I think there'll be a lot of employers uh, who will say, yep, we, actually, we just, we're not, we can't go back to the way it was. It's not working. What other campaigns have you got lined up with the Unite Union? Uh, well, I think we've got enough <laughs> at the well, moment. Lots of collective bargaining. Like collective bargaining. Um, we've got, oh, we've been working with, the, um, at the moment we've been working with those, uh, uh, the strippers in Wellington who, uh, they're actually independent contractors, they're not employees, which is one part Saw of So Billy Bragg there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we've been giving them advice on that, trying to help them. Um, because there was, a, you know, there were some workers here there who, who were ripped off, no doubt about it. They were just given a contract which just, you know, slashed their income, uh, and they stood up. And so um, they didn't have a union, or they weren't part of a union. So we're working, we're, we're seeing with what, what other unions we can work with, and we want to support them because um, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, they are they are getting exploited and and. 
they're, they're particularly vulnerable because they're not employees, so they don't have a lot of the same rights. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we've done that in the past. In fact, when, when Unite first started, one of the first disputes we ever had was where cleaners, at the time it was a massage parlour, it was a brothel, actually. Yes, yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, well, cleaners there. Because I, I can remember, um, I can remember uh, Matt McCartan getting yeah. involved with the Pro- Prostitutes Collective. Yeah, yeah, well, we were picketing. We were, actually, they were cleaners. We initially got involved with the cleaners and started picketing outside the Smashers Parlour. And, yeah, the Prostitutes Collective, um, uh, went, they said, yeah, well, we need some help too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, workers, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, uh, they all get exploited at some stage or another. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're quite quite happy to, to, to help them. We've helped in the past. Um, we've helped Chinese construction workers, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a big campaign. That's still working through. And, and, and everything we said at the time has turned out to be true. This could make a great um, reality TV series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's sort of uh, – it, it's a bit like uh, – you know, you pick up the phone, you get an email, and you go, mm, "How do we get involved in this again?" <laughs> but it's it's great because, that, for instance, that Chinese construction worker uh, issue really highlighted an issue for us, which led to the campaign to get residency for workers, and and that was hugely successful. There are over a hundred thousand visa workers who now have residency. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Hey, we're going to have to wind up now because we're actually into twenty eight and a half minutes, so we've only got about a minute left. So. Um, so uh, you've been listening to uh, Calling All Workers on NPR. Um, I'm Dion Martin, um, a first union organiser, and I'm talking to Jared uh, here, uh, Assistant Secretary of the Unite Union, and we're talking about regional skills, skills leadership group. Thank you. Uh, and um, thank you very much. Now my Heidi Mai. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.npr.nz forward slash donate.